Shout out at your neighbor. Say, neighbor. neighbor. Give him a high five. <laughs> Say, neighbor. You still. Just about. A good looking thing. <laughs> if you can't say that, do the best you can. Well, good morning. How are y'all? Everybody happy? Excited? Beautiful weather we're having? Well, we're glad that you're here. Glad you're here with us and those who joined us this morning on the web. Good morning to everyone. Praise God. Well, next Sunday will be Resurrection Sunday. Pack the house out. Amen. You know, Jesus, come, Jesus came out on the third day. And all the eggs began to crack. That's where we got the eggs on Easter, I guess. Uh, I don't know how the bunnies come into all that, but I'm not against the chocolate bunny every now and then. Praise him. But that's not what it's about. It's about Jesus. Amen. You know, that's what separates Christianity from any religion, is that our Savior is alive. Amen. And he's doing well. Well, I want to read something to you from a man who lived a very exciting life and uh, didn't start really to about the, uh, mid-age, around 56 years old. I said mid-age. Every 10 years, I've got a new perspective old. <laughs> and I'm one year from where he started, so I'm going to say he was a young man. Amen. Praise the Lord. Smith Wigglesworth started his ministry about the age of 56. Had done some things before with them, but nobody knew he was in the world except his wife. And um, he never actually, you know, there's a lot of books of him. Actually, he never authored a book, but people have, uh, different organizations have taken his ministry materials and uh, printed sermons, stuff, stuff like this. People who knew him told about his life. He was called the Apostle of Faith, and he was daring. Uh, he, he raised 13 people from the dead. Uh, much of them had already been to the mortician, and they had done all the preparation that you do to a body. Smith would go to a funeral and wreck the whole thing. <laughs> now, generally, that's where I leave him alone. But, in, but anyway, uh, yeah, this, so he was known for this. All this is documented, and he had all types of services where people had, didn't have limbs. I know there was a man there who... who um, uh, had lost uh, both uh, feet uh, below the, uh, well, I guess it was one was amputated from the ankle down. And Smith ministered to him in the service. He said, tomorrow go bear, buy you a pair of shoes. <laughs> and so the man believed, and he went and, and he asked, they went to the store the next morning, bought a pair of shoes. And the guy said, well, what size, uh, he said, uh, what size of shoes are you buying for someone? He said, no, they're for me. And I don't know if it's one or both feet. And the guy said, huh? He said, just do as I ask. I want a size. Here, here's, the, here's the cool thing. If you're acting on that by faith, you can pick any size you want to. <laughs> you can be big foot or little foot, right? And I think he picked a size eight and a half. So anyway, that's, so he said, I want a certain kind of shoe, eight and a half. And the guy, he said, just go get them. And when he came to get them out, the guy brought them to him. All this is documented. And, and he, he put him just towards what would be a foot. And all of a sudden, the leg began to form and grow out and grew feet and toenails. And unless uh, otherwise documented, but I've never found, and I know some people who know some people who knows that story is absolutely true. They said they never did find that salesman ever again. <laughs> he was the only one in the store. He ran out the front door and never came back. So, so you can see that I'm trying to set you up for this is just... Uh, his, this is one of his daily devotion things that he would want to say to us. And so it's a little bit stronger than uh, good morning. <laughs> he said, now, beloved, and he's from England. And uh, he said, now, beloved, I'm out to win souls. It's my business to speak to the lost. It's my business to make everybody hungry, dissatisfied, or to make you mad or glad. I want to see every person filled with Holy Spirit, and I must have a message from heaven that will not leave people as I found them. Something must happen if we are to be filled with Holy Spirit. Something must happen at every place. Men must know that a man filled with Holy Spirit is no longer a man. I told you that when I was here last year, that God has no room for an ordinary person. A man can be swept by the power of God in the first stage of revelation of Christ, and from that moment on, he has to be an extraordinary person. 
In order to be filled with the Holy Spirit, he has to become a free body for God to dwell in. No man can have the Trinity abiding in him and be the same as he was before. Hmm. So I appeal to you who have been filled with Holy Spirit that whatever the cost, let God have his way. I appeal to you people who have got to move on, who cannot rest until God does something for you. I appeal to you as I could never have appealed to you unless God has been speaking to me since I left this place. So he goes on to say, he says, let me tell you uh, what he has been saying. God has been revealing to me that any man that does not sin yet remains in the same place spiritually for a week is a backslider. You say, how is that possible? Because God's revelation is available to anyone who wholeheartedly be committed to follow God. If you stay the same for two days, this would indicate that you, are, you have lost the vision. A child of God must have a fresh vision every day. The child of God must, must be more active by the Holy Spirit each and every day. So he would say, Smith would say, if you've been in the same place with God for two days, you are a backslider. And I suppose there wasn't a way means there either. <laughs> Thank you for your holy hush. All right, let me dial it back down a little bit. You know, a lot of times when we minister things, we minister about things that we need and, and we hope to receive and helps us with our daily life and all that's important and it's, and it's uh, practical and, and God's very much interested in being involved in your daily life. And, uh, <clears throat> but to this morning, I want to minister some things that, uh, you know, we, a lot of times we focus on our needs, or our family needs, but I wonder if God ever had a need. You suppose he has? Y'all here this morning? Yes, Do you suppose God has a need? Yes. Well, he must have had a need because he sent Jesus for a reason. That's right. Right? right? And he's not only sent his, uh, he not only sent his son, I mean, he sent the best that he had. Amen. I always quote Joe Morris because it was just kind of funny, but it's always, I just always thought about it. Joe Morris said, you know, I don't know if God has these things. He said, but he didn't have to send his son. He sent his best. He said he could have sent his cousin, his nephew, or his bird dog, but he didn't. He sent Jesus. Now, I don't know if he has a cousin, nephew, or bird dog. It doesn't mention the scripture, but, but, but he did not. He sent his only son, and he sent his best son. And, uh, and it's because that he had a need, and God wanted a family. And he wanted fellowship, and fellowship had been broken uh, in, in, the very, in the very beginning. And so he wanted that restored, so God has a need. And God still has a need today. The gift that God gave to the world is Jesus, and he's never taken his gift back. So the, the, Jesus is the gift to the world. And to many who receive him, that person receives eternal life. The person who does not, the Bible says, receives damnation. It's just not necessary. It's just not necessary. See, the, on, the only reason, we, all, we always need to know this, it's elementary, but we need to tell you, the only reason any person will ever go to hell, the only reason, is because they reject God's payment. God gave Jesus as the payment for every man's sin. So it's not sins in the plural sense that sends anyone to hell. Hell actually was never made for a man. It was made for the devil and his bunch. But they rejected God. And so no one would ever go to hell for having done something wrong. The scripture just plainly says in John 16, he says, because they believe not in me. So if you don't receive the payment that was already provided for you, then what else can he do? Either you're going to pay for it or you're going to let the payment that he already provided in Jesus be the payment. Now, we all look like a smart bunch this morning. How many are going to go ahead and receive the payment? Amen. Yeah, praise the Lord. So that, that's where we are. Now, um, so God has a need. And, uh, and I want to talk to you about that this morning. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. But we'll also talk about promotion in a sense. Do we have that? Well, never mind. We'll, we'll do it another time. If you don't have one of these uh, confessions we've been speaking the last two weeks, uh, they're out on the table where it starts off. We are thankful that God is helping us add to the church daily. And we may get to it in a minute, but uh, if not, they're on the table. I'd like you to have one. We're going to use that quite often in the services. Now, um, once again, well, I'm sorry, where did I say? Ephesians 4. Thank y'all. Ephesians chapter 4. Let's talk about 
a need God has. Ephesians chapter 4. And we'll start with verse... Which one? See if y'all flowing. You want to start verse 7? Okay. Mom wants to start verse 7. So what else can I do? <laughs> but to every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith when he ascended upon high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is but he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that is descended is the same also that hath ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. Say all things with me. All things. And then he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. Now let's see why he did this. Next verse says, For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. So God gave gifts. He said gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for the purpose of perfecting what? So that they could do what? Got really weak in here. He gave a five-fold office. <laughs> right? He called them gifts. Their job is to do what? Another word for that, I think the Amplified says uh, equipped. To equip the saints. And the saints are to do what? To, to, to do the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith. So the purpose now, once again, of the fivefold office is to equip the saints to edify the body of Christ so that they will, the body will come into the unity of the faith to the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. Or don't misunderstand the word perfect. It just simply means mature. Unto the measure. Now, and, and, and here's the mark of measurement. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Not to be a better person. Not to turn a new leaf. Not to try to do better. The fivefold office is to teach, to train, to equip, to mature the believer, to bring to maturity. And the measure is that we go by is to Christ. To Christ. Someone said, well, we can't be like him. Well, if you read the scripture, it says, as he is, so are we. Amen. Right? Jesus said, the same work that I do, you'll do. And even greater work than I've done. So we are to, we are to uh, use Jesus as the standard, as the mark. The fivefold office is to train and to equip believers into thinking like Jesus. Seeing what he sees. Giving knowledge of him. And giving knowledge of his will and his design and his purpose in and of your life. And for you to do the same works that he did. Now the way that you can do that obviously is the only way he did it. Jesus was God. He is God. But when he came to heaven he stripped himself of God-like deity. Right? And he became the Bible says born. He was born as a human, as a baby. To represent mankind. But he never did any ministry that we know of until age 30 when he was filled with the Holy Ghost. So in other words... He was a man just like we are. And he had to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Here he says that, that we are to, to raise this body to a place of maturity. So this would, could be a, a time in uh, 2017, a year of maturity, to the statue, the fullness of Christ. For this purpose that we henceforth, verse 14, be no more children tossed to and fro, Carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speak the truth in love, this body will do what? Grow up into him in what? All things. All things? Mm -hmm. <laughs> we'll grow up into him in all things? Yes. Which is the head, even Christ. So see, it puts us back together. We are to grow up in him in what? All things. Which is the head, and Jesus is the head of the church, right? Yes. Now look at verse 16. From whom the whole body, not some of them, not part of them, all of them. From whom the whole body fitly joined together, compacted by which every joint supplieth. 
according to the factual working and the measure of every part makes increase of the body of edifying itself in love. Just like your, your, your body works together, your natural body works together, every part working, it makes increase, it all works together. So here he says, the Amplified said in that, in that, same, that last verse, he says, working properly in all its functions, it grows to full maturity, it builds itself up in love. Now, uh, I want to share just a few stronger thoughts with you this morning. And uh, John 15. Some of this, and we've, we've covered some of this before, but it's very important that we uh, gain greater understanding of this. If we're going to come into a time of maturity and of increase and of who we are. It will reveal an old covenant mindset versus a new covenant mindset. How many of you would like promotion in your life? The rest of you don't? How many would like promotion in your life? How many of you are not going to raise your hands no matter what I say? Yes. See those hands. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. God bless you. Amen. <laughs> and that explains why we are where we are. Hallelujah. <laughs> Just picking on y'all. <clears throat> See, the, the, the problem is much of the body of Christ really don't know who they are. They just simply don't know who they are. <clears throat> Once a believer, you are to study to show yourself approved. To know who you are in Christ. Because you're, you are adopted into the family of God. Then he says that you're to put off the old man... And put, all the, and put on the new man. But you do that in your mind. So you're born again in your spirit. But your mind is in continual process of being saved. So you have to go to the information in this book. And of the Holy One who lives in your spirit. To gain the information that is already true. And resident in your new born again spirit. Amen. When only one third. Thank God for your born again spirit. But you're only one third complete. So what you need to do is have agreement in the soul and in the spirit to bring the two together and the body will just follow along. Amen. Okay? So that's why the scripture says we're to renew our mind. And it didn't say remove, he said renew it. <laughs> right? Some people have like the mind's been just... <laughs> Norval Hayes said, hey, I think some Christians be better off if they could just cut their heads off. But you can't, you know, you don't need to do that. Now, so from, from his perspective... We need to understand how he sees us. Because God has a need. God wants to reach this world. Time's running out. Right? right? And uh, there's only one thing that we know that he told us to pray for fervently. He says, pray that more laborers will be sent into the harvest field. Mm -hmm. now, now, now look at these verses. John 15. I love the whole chapter, but we, we won't have time for all that. John 15, 15. Red writing means what? Jesus spoke this. He said, henceforth, or not, or up till now, I call you not servants, because a servant does not know what his Lord doeth. But I call you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. You did not choose me. I, in other words, he says, you by choice didn't choose me, but I have chosen you, and I have ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it you. Amen. Go back to the verse 15, though. He says, he says, my thinking towards you is that you're not a servant. Now, as a believer, we know that we are the children of God. Amen. You're in the family of God. You know, sometimes people just relate to, they say, God. Well, He is God. But He's also Father. Yes. See what I'm saying? <laughs> Father God. Amen. Jesus had to reveal God as Father in His time because it was never brought out. No, no one knew God as Father in the Old Covenant. Jesus come and he would say, my father does this and my father's this, this and my father. This. He said, no, no one knows him like I know him. So he was revealing the father factor. Amen. 
So here, Jesus says, <clears throat> he says, the servant, a servant, if a person is a servant in their mind, that person will not know what God's doing. That's right. Think about that. So he says, he doesn't want you to be a servant. He doesn't call you a servant. You say, is servant, being a servant bad? No, being a servant's good. In, in your attitude, having a servant's heart yes. to serve, yes. but out of sonship. Amen. Now, male, female, but still called sons of God. Amen. We're sons of God, but out of our sonship and out of the attitude and our love for God, we serve him. Amen. Can you see the difference? Yes. So the difference between a servant... Sometimes some translation says slaves and a son who serves. He's speaking this to his disciples and he says he said he sees them as friends and he does not see you as a slave or, or a servant. A slave is a person who simply does not know what their master is doing. Does not know the will of the master. If you do not know what your master is doing. Perhaps it's because you're still thinking with a servant mindset instead of the mind of a son. Now, I'll jump way ahead and I'll use our current president as, a, as an example because he was a, a billionaire before he was, and still is, I suppose, <laughs> before he's, uh, I don't think they can strip him of that right now. But anyway, he's still a, he's a billionaire and he does not have access to his business by the way it has to be designed for him to be the president. But his company's still being run, is that right? Amen. Now, I know he has hotels and all type of real estate and uh, all across the in United States and other places. But I wonder who runs this business. Do you think his do you think the employees run it? No. Do you think the guy at Trump desk, you know, at the at the hotel runs runs Trump business? Or do you think it's left to the family? family. The family runs it. All right, now let's carry that thought just a moment for him. He said, a servant, the employee, a slave, does not know what the master is doing. Jesus said, I don't want you to be a servant. I don't want you to have the mentality of a servant. I don't want you to have the mentality of an employee. I don't want you to have the mentality of a slave. I want you to have the mentality of that you are a heir of all things. Christian was talking about the Lord has all of it, the, the earth, it all, it's all His and it is. I think that's, I think that's Psalms 24 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And He gave the earth to man's stewardship because he, you are co laborers, you are co heirs with Him. Co heirs with Him. Well, if you're a co-heir to someone, you, have to, you would have to know what belongs to them, what do they own, what are you co-laboring with, what are you co-heirs with. The scripture says we are joint heirs. Well, that's cool, but what, what, does this, what are the possessions, the, lead, the holdings of this heir? Right? To know what you are joint heir with. So you can see the labor together. You can see the, the joint ownership. You can see the stewardship that he's trying to get uh, across to us when he says, I do not want to call you a servant. I do not want to call you a slave. I do not want to call you and talk to you like an employee. I want to talk to you as one who is co-heirs with me. Amen. Okay, can we go further? So, you, and you can teach this in many different ways. So, if people sit around waiting on God, what do you do? Well, I'm just waiting on the Lord. I'm waiting on the Lord. I left Bible school 23 years ago. And I can promise you. If I go back to Oklahoma, if I go back to that ministry, somewhere in that city, there's people who are still sitting in that city waiting on the Lord to tell them their first move. Waiting on a word. Well, uh, for those of you here this morning, I don't know if you can see it from your seat, but uh, 
If you need a word from God, I can give you one. <laughs> Go. Amen. You into all the world. Amen. There's your word. Go is the opposite of sit. Hmm? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. So people sit around waiting on God and it reveals that they do not understand what God is doing. If you're a sitter, if you're a waiter, if you're a leader, if you're just waiting on God, then it reveals that you have an old covenant mindset and, and you relate to God not as father, as co-heirs with him. You relate to him as employee. You relate to him as slave. You relate to him <clears throat> as a servant, not an heir with him. Jesus said, I don't want to call you that. You with me? Amen. So this mindset keeps people in bondage, just like a slave. A slave trying to please their master. A servant mindset is always an old covenant mindset. A slave has to be told what to do. If they don't obey, then they are conscious, their consciousness, which is not good because they, they always have this servant mentality, and, uh, which is not good. And the servant mentality always relates to the master in some type of performance, some type of activity. It's not based on relationship. See, if you have a servant mentality, then you don't have a relationship mentality. You have an employee, employer mentality, a slave master mentality. It's always going to be based on performance. Your ability to do what your master requires of you. That would be the mentality. However, when we relate to God as a son, you see, as an heir, we don't see it that way. We see it out of our relationship with our father. We don't see our father as one who is lording over us, mastering over us. We see a loving relationship. So a son always relates to the father out of love instead of out of duty. Now, let me reiterate this thing a little bit because you say, well, are you, are you saying that being a servant is not good? No, it's, it's excellent. To have the heart of a servant, to have a heart to serve. See, Jesus told me as a pastor to serve the people, to minister to your needs. You're not here to minister to me. I'm here to minister to you. You're not here to wait on me. I'm here to wait on you. I will give a call. I will give an answer for my call on how well I did that and how well I trained you to do what we're talking about this morning. Amen. Can you see that? Yes. Now, uh, so we're sons. Now, go to Galatians chapter 3, and it'll, this will help us a whole lot see this. You do want promotion? Galatians 3, verse 26. Then we'll go into chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Galatians 3, 26 through chapter, the next chapter of the third verse, 1 through 3. Here's what it doesn't say. For you are all slaves. For you are all employees. For you're all servants. What does he tell us? Children. My translation says you're all sons of God. Amen. Through Father in Christ Jesus. Verse 27. For many of you are baptized into Christ. You have put on Christ. Amen. Now Christ simply means the anointed one and his anointing. Amen. So you're baptized into Christ. So you've been baptized into the same anointing. Well, why would you need the same anointing as a slave? Why does the employee need the same gifting as the owner? Hmm? Why does the employee need to have the same understandings of the working of 
that business as the owner does. He doesn't. But an heir, a Trump Jr., needs to have the understanding of the Trump business and how it operates. Right? right. Jesus says, I don't want to call you a servant. I certainly don't want to call you a slave, and I don't want to be your master. He said, I call you a friend. And I'll let you in on everything that the Father's doing and everything he's told me. Now we'll see to what purpose. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For many were baptized in Christ and put on Christ. Now watch here. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female as far as he's concerned. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you be Christ, then you're, Abra- then you're Abraham's seed, you see. And what? Heirs. You're a what? Heirs. You're an heir. So uh, go back a little bit, verse 28. You're neither Jew nor Greek. You're neither Jemisonite or, or Clantonian. <laughs> you're neither Clearite, Montevallian. You can't be a Columbanite or a Wilsonvilleite. You can't be a Shelbyite or an Alabastery. I don't know how I just see it. <laughs> you can't be black. He said, "There's ne- those neither black nor white, nor red or yellow." Amen. He said, "You're all one." Amen. He said, uh, "You're not disqualified because you're male nor female. You're not either one of those." He said, "And if you're and if you are Christ, anyone hear Christ of Christ?" Then you are, you are Abraham's seed, and the same, the same promise I made to Abraham to be the heir of all things, I have extended that same promise to you. He said, don't ask me to call you servant. Please don't be my slave. Please don't be my employee. Please be my friend and let's be co-heirs together. Chapter 4, verse 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as this heir is a child, he does not differ from a slave. So here's someone who is an heir of all things, but this child's two years old. I mean, you could have a A pistol, you could have a, you know, you could have a, a beautiful rifle, you could have a, a 66 Malibu, come on, <laughs> that you're going to hand down to your son one day. Well, would you throw him the keys at four? How about seven? But one if you beg for him at eight. But he's the heir of it. Right? I mean, he will be the heir, right? Now, I say the heir, as long as he's a child, it's really no different from him being a slave. Though he is the master of all. You see that? I just don't want to go over these words. He is the heir. It is promised to him. But right now, he's a child. It would almost be like he, like he, does, he doesn't differ from anyone else who's not heir to it. But it's true that he's master of all. Amen. Who's he talking to? He's talking to you. Amen. He says that you're master of all. Amen. But at this moment, in their immaturity, because they're not mature yet in Christ, they haven't come to the stature of fullness in Christ. They're under guardians and stewards. They're under a teacher. They're at daycare. Right? They're still picking out boogies and thinking it's really cool. It's like, you know. They have body functions. Like, you know, there's like. like. Why? Because they got a three-year-old mind. You ever notice how a two-year-old wants to tell you, I told it. It's like, okay. And they do it, you know, at the wrong time. Don't they, mothers? You're out there and shopping and like that. 
Have you ever had your child in line say something? There was no way you could take it back. And it's like, oh my gosh. He's like, I don't really need any of this stuff. <laughs> Just walk on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I had one one time, a child. <laughs> in a church situation. I won't tell you who she is. <laughs> she might be sitting this way over here. <laughs> oh, I got plenty of you over there, though. <laughs> and we was on a bus. I was driving a bus with a bunch of kids. 25, 30 miles. And I picked up a middle-aged couple, too, that needed transportation. And, uh, and I was going through the <clears throat> different neighborhoods and and I was taking them to church, and we picked up this couple who need, who need the transportation to get there. And my three-year-old daughter looks at this, this guy, and uh, he wasn't really overweight, but just the structure of his face was a little different. And, I, and I'm driving the bus, and, I, and she's looking at him, I guess, and I don't know. And she, as loud as she can, she says, Daddy. I said, what? She says, why does he have three chins? <laughs> And it was like, I'm like, mm -hmm. <laughs> the problem is I still have 17 more miles to go. <laughs> so I said, all together a song, Jesus loves me this time. <laughs> 55, 60, 65, 70, 75, steel ball. <laughs> Heir of all things but still excited about body functions. <laughs> Master of all things, but you can't keep their attention for over four seconds. We laughed uh, the other day, uh, Brian was telling me at the ball game, his little grandson was playing ball, Brody, and he said, uh, Brody's so cute, he's, and he said, uh, uh, he said that he, he played the prior game, and they hit the ball out of his direction, and Brody didn't go get it. He didn't pick it up, didn't do anything. And, uh, and so Papa asked him, uh, he said, Brody, why didn't you get the ball? And the coach said, why didn't you get the call? He said, I couldn't, I couldn't. He said, I have all these sunflower seeds. He's <laughs> like, you know, I got a glove on this hand, a handful of sunflower seeds. I'm a ball player. <laughs> I couldn't. <laughs> Owner of all. Master of all. <laughs> Can you see that? He says, so really they don't differ from a slave. <laughs> from an employee. So they're under a guardian. They're under stewards to teach them until the time appointed by the Father. Even so, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of this world. So, you see, it's clear to see, we're sons of God in Christ, we're heirs with Him as Abraham's seed. Now, chapter 4 says that, when we read this out of chapter 4, he says, an heir is no different from a child as long as he is a slave or has the mentality of an employee, a slave. He didn't say he was one. He said he was master of all. He said that as children, we don't differ from someone who is a slave or has that mentality. So according to Jesus, this person does not know what their master is doing. Does not know. In other words, slaves have to be told what to do. Can you see that? <clears throat> so, because if you don't tell them, it's just not going to happen. So here's, the, here's a typical mindset of someone with that mentality that Jesus says, I can't promote you. I can't bring you into your airship, if you want to say it that way. I can't bring you into the promotion. I can't give this larger thing to you that is what has been divinely, what you have been chosen to do is it's either not time or you haven't come to the place to where I can trust you with this. You're not ready for this. 
Here's the typical mindset. You're always waiting for God. Maybe you do what I do. Oh, I just don't know what to preach. I can't, I mean, I, I mean until he shows me, I can't preach anything. And I'm all for him telling me. I prefer it. I like it. But that's not maturity. You know, if you had a church of 100 people and 98 of them are getting divorced, I can give you a clue what they might need to hear. Because the other two was wondering. <laughs> you know, maybe we're next, right? You know, if, if the church, if everyone in the church is sick, then we, we, we shouldn't have to pray a lot about that. We need to go to the Word of God and teach that healing belongs to us. Amen. Right? Amen. So the typical mindset says, I, I, I need to wait on God. I need Him to tell me what to do before I can do anything. Before I can do anything. Or the mindset is, you're afraid that when you do something, thinking that if you do it, you might do it wrong. And God would be angry with you. So you don't go do anything because you don't want, to make, you don't want God angry. See, that's not, that's not relationship. That's the mindset of employee, employer, slave, master. See what I'm saying? If I go do something, I might anger my master if, I, if what I do is wrong. So they base their relationship with God on their performance, on the ability to do or not do that will. But the new covenant, son, say new covenant. New covenant. They base their relationship with God they base that relationship as a son to a loving father. They base their relationship out of righteousness. That they are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Their relationship is based in being, not in doing. Did you hear me? Your relationship is based on who you are in him, in your being, not in your doing for him. Jesus said there'll come a time, at the end of time, they'll say, well, didn't we do this in your name? And didn't we do this in your name? And didn't we go do all that in your name? And he says, I don't even know who you are. Because it's not based out of doing, it's based out of being. The new covenant son knows the will of the Father. And they do not have to be told what to do every move. Now, we have, we have a, a handful of businessmen here who could preach this very well in, in, in different terms, perhaps, but they understand this mentality very well. Let's look at it in Luke chapter 17, and we'll see this. Luke 17. Y'all doing okay? Right. Headed for promotion? Yes. Luke 17, if I got that right. Yeah, here it is. Verse 7. But which of you having, we're going to go from uh, 7 to 10. But which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say unto him, by and by, when he's coming to the field, go and sit down to meat. But would not rather say unto him, make ready wherewith I may sup and gird myself and serve me till I have eaten and drunken, and afterwards you shall eat and drink. Doth he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not, I think not. So in other words, he's, he's talking about the mentality of a servant here. He said, if a man had a servant, and he goes out into the field to work, at the end of the day, does he just tell him to come in and eat, or to finish your, in other words, or to finish your duties for the day, come and serve me. And after you serve me, then you'll sit down, take your meal, and eat. And... Um, so he's teaching here about an unprofitable servant. Like I said, the business people would get this very well. Now, let's talk just a, just a moment about what makes a servant unprofitable. And let me watch how I say this because let's, let's bring it into the church. We can be more profitable in the kingdom or less profitable. Would that be true? 
in the business world, could someone be more profitable to a company and someone less profitable? Yes. So it had to be true in the church, right? Yes. When, when you're raising children, and sometimes it seemed like there was many, because there were, there were, and they were close together, and they were. I mean, they were like doorsteps. Someone asked me one time, I said, I mean, how, your kids are so close together. I said, nine months and 15 minutes. <laughs> no, that's, but, but, not, but not quite that much. <laughs> not quite that much. <laughs> and we got one or two in heaven that Michelle's got to raise when we get there. I'm, I'm, I've done all, I'm through. <laughs> but, uh, but I said, well, when they get older, you know, we're going to have some grass cutters around here. And someone said, oh, you, you wouldn't make your children cut grass. I said, make them. I said, you, you think they'll be watching me? Is that what you think? <laughs> we get some weed eaters and some grass cutters and some bug squashers, you know, and some housekeepers and some cookers and some cleaners. And uh, that worked out that way. And then they all left. <laughs> <laughs> so I asked her, I said, well, they all left. Do you want to have some more? And she says, no way. We just don't need help that bad. Anyway. <laughs> But what makes, what makes, in Jesus' terms, when he's teaching this about an unprofitable servant, what would he say is unprofitable to the kingdom? Now, as, as a business person, as a manager, if things are done fairly, then they will promote the person that's, that's the most qualified for that position. Is that right? That's the way it should work, right? Well, that's the way it works in the kingdom. What does God deem profitable? What does God deem unprofitable? So he's teaching here about the unprofitable servant, what makes a servant unprofitable. According to Jesus, it's when a servant only does what they're told to do. When someone only does in the kingdom what God tells them to do, he calls that person unprofitable to the kingdom. They're going to heaven, yes. Does he love them? Absolutely. Does he love them any less? No. It would be in heaven forever? Yes. Rewards would be the same? Absolutely not. Promotion, are they next in line for promotion? Probably not. Why? Because they're unprofitable at, at this time. So do you want to be profitable? So the question is, is asked many times, why are they considered unprofitable if you do what they, if, if, if they always do what you tell them to do? The answer is, they always have to be told what to do. From the business people, can I get an amen? Is that, is that true? You've had both? Yeah. And so if you left your shop for a few hours, which one are you going to leave in charge? Is there, is there any question in your mind? Are you going to leave the guy who always does what you tell him to do or the guy who knows and sees what needs to be done and just goes and does it? Sure. Right? So a servant mindset, a no covenant mindset says, you know, God might be angry if I go do this, and I don't. You know, I ain't got particular need to go do this, and, and I know they're all this, and I know they're not saved, and I know that come that they don't have no food over there, and I, I know they don't have the children don't have any good uh, shoes to wear, and I know all that. But He may not want to send me there. He may want to send someone else. If I go over there, it might mess something up, and He'll be mad at me, and you know He'll reprimand me, and He'll pay me back, and by third. And then, then they go to prayer and they say, Lord, I'll go where you tell me to go. See, I, I need you to tell me where to go. I'll say everything you tell me to say. And then I'll do everything you tell me to do. Well, why don't you go do some things he ain't told you to do? Why don't you say some things he ain't told you to say? Why don't you? Yeah. Amen. Huh? It's, it's good that we do the other. But see, everything else sounds like inactivity. Are you profitable to the kingdom? In other words, if a church, if this church, if any church grew, just say in attendance, if everyone did what you do, does on a weekly basis, if everyone does what you do and you're planning towards growth, in your local church, if it grew based on what you do, how well would this church grow? 
Hmm. If everyone duplicated what I'm doing towards that, where would we be? Hmm? See what I'm saying? If everyone puts their effort towards the gym the way that I do, where would we be? Well, I've, I've been trying to study into the, the maximum rapture lift, and I think I'm still in there. <laughs> it's a great suction, so I think it's okay. Put that in anything, but you see what I'm saying? If, you know, uh, he, he, tells us that, he tells us that we're to be the example. So if we are the example and they do what we do, where would, where would the kingdom be? Would the kingdom be increasing? If, you, if they duplicate you, if they duplicate us, is the kingdom increasing? Yes. We have to be honest with ourselves, right? I, I, I'm, just, I'm talking about promotion too, see here? I'm talking about God has a need. Jesus said, I don't want to call you a servant, and I don't want to call you a slave, and I don't want you to be my employee. You're the heir of all things, the master of all things, but you're still looking for boogies. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, the 66 Malibu is yours, but not today. <laughs> you're not ready for it. You're seven years old. You're not getting a brown automatic with a gold trigger. It's just not going to happen. Right? Sure, it's yours. Not today, it ain't. Right? So there's nothing wrong with uh, acting on something we're told to do, but only obeying when we're told to specifically do something. That's what Jesus said makes us unprofitable. Hmm. Waiting on the Lord. It's not about sitting around while time goes by until God speaks to your, you your next order. The word waiting is a verb. That denotes action. Yes. Right? right. It, it, it's like a waiter in a restaurant. And we'll finish up here this morning on this. Let's say that you... you uh, has anyone ever worked in the restaurant business? So if you, if you worked in the... Which is a real demanding business, isn't it? I mean, banks, uh, this, this retail in general. I believe if you work retail, your mansion just gets bigger anyway. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to heaven. Before ministry, I've always worked in retail. I've managed stores, family dollars, friends, all that kind of stuff. And, and there ought to be a great reward just for de- dealing with, you know, just, huh? Yeah. And so... But, if, but I noticed in the restaurant business, I never worked in the restaurant business, but I support that. Amen. <laughs> but you mess with people's food, they'll talk. You mess with people's money, they'll talk, right? I mean, they'll talk. I mean, you just forget to put the cheese on that biscuit. See, they won't talk to you about that. On my cheese, right? Well, so... If you, if you, let's just say you're the manager or the owner of a, of a restaurant. And you've explained the duties to, t- you have two waiters and you explain the duties to both of them. What their, what their, the detail of the responsibilities is. And you have one guy over here and his name's Frank and the other one's Bill. And, and uh, Frank does anything you ask Frank to do, he does it. He has a great attitude about it. He shows up for work and you say, Frank, go do this. And he does it. Frank, go do this, and he does it. Frank, go do this, and does it. But he's, he's been explained. Everything's been explained about his duties. But Bill, he knows responsibilities. It's, it's the other one. In other words, Bill and Frank went to the same class at the same time. Frank's a great person. We like Frank. But unless you tell Frank to fill up the salt shakers and the pepper shakers, he doesn't do it. You look in, in the, the napkin dispenser, it's always empty. Why? Because you hadn't told Frank to go fill it up. You look underneath the booths and there's, there's crumbs down there and there's food down there and the seats are nasty. Why? Because you haven't told Frank to clean them. See what I'm saying? Because he's waiting. Like the church is waiting on God to speak. So when you're waiting on the Lord, see, uh, see a waiter is a verb. So even, even after they bring you your food, a good waiter who's looking for a reasonable tip 
And that's why a lot of times when, it, when, when I go there, I mean, I, I, I'm not really making a joke, and, and I'll take a, a bill out. And if it's, I'm in a hurry and I want good service, it may be well above the gratuity. And I'll say, as far as I'm concerned, that could be yours. I can see me giving this to you. But it's not a throw-in. You know, I said, Use it. this is a sign of, oh, oh, oh. I need something to drink. <laughs> and, and if I get there, <laughs> we a little bit late. <laughs> now, let's understand their jobs are not easy. And sometimes they've been assigned way too many customers. And especially when they're trying to text between every other one of them. <laughs> so we, we need to give a lot of grace to people who, who work in the restaurant business. Right? I, I've, I've only one time, I've only one time, and I probably was wrong for doing it, walked out and not gave someone a tip. I gave many people tips that they did not deserve because I gave them the benefit of the doubt. And if you're not someone, this is just throw in for extra, if you go in to a, a restaurant that serves people and they give their time to do it, these people aren't getting rich by the hour. They're making a buck or two an hour, so, so they're not getting rich there. So they're depending on that gratuity, right, that tip. So if you're not going to tip, please don't tell them you come to church here. Okay. I do not want them to know you come here because I didn't teach your stand yourself none of that. Okay? That's just extra. But a good waiter is looking it's a verb. They're looking for what needs to be done. They're seeing the environment. They're, they're realizing what is going on, and they know their responsibilities, and they're doing it. Where Frank's over here like, uh, Frank, go, 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 go fill the knackers. Oh, yes, sir. And he goes does that. He has a great attitude about it. He's there. You can count on him. But he doesn't do, it's like a wind-up toy. See, you, you, you got to keep winding Frank. And he'll go do anything you ask him to do, but he always stops. Bill, on the other hand, he just sees it all. Went to the same class. He doesn't want to be a waiter. He wants to be the manager. Then he wants to buy one of his franchise. Maybe this one. See what I'm saying? He's looking to take over, not get by. Because he understands stewardship. He understands that he's, a, he's an heir and a co-heir. He understands that he's the master of this thing. He's not looking for boogies. If he finds one, he sweeps them up in the pan on the table and gets them out. <laughs> gets the table clean, ready for the next customer. Is that about right for those of you who employ people? You ever had both? They're both good people that you like them, but one, you couldn't leave a job. You can hardly leave the place. You've got to give them four things to do. Tell them 75 times, write down, and they'll call you eight times while you're gone. Did you, did you mean me to do this? That's right. That's why they put power windows in cars. Because people never want to show you. You want me to roll the window? Again? 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 <laughs> Until it's all the way up. <laughs> this way it just goes up. That's my theory. I think that's what happened. <laughs> Go back to the waiter. Which one's, which one's profitable? Bill, which one's unprofitable? That's what Jesus says. Who are you going to promote? Bill. Is Frank in the line for the next promotion? Is he a good guy? Probably a Christian goes to church, loves God, right? We love him. We, we care about him. Is God going to turn over the city to him? Is he going to talk to is, is God going to start talking to him about nations and the world? No, because he's still chasing boogies. Right? We love him, you understand. But he's, at this point, he's not as profitable as Bill is. Hmm. You want to take a city, community? You want to take a state? You want to take a nation? Change your mindset from being a servant, a slave, to being an heir. God will have a different dialogue with you. He'll have a different conversation with you. Because now you'll see things the way that he sees it. He can share things with you that he couldn't share with, with Frank over here. Can you see it? Well, we'll just get started on this. Got more to say. Hope I didn't bore you with that. But if you want to increase, you need to know some truth. Amen. Truth will do what? It'll set you free. Amen. Well, we've got a beautiful day. Everyone saved? Born again? 
Jesus were to come to in 10 minutes, that'd be okay with some of y'all? All right, let's just say Jesus is going to come at 1210. How many of you know that you're going to split heaven wide open? Good. Now, if you're watching this and you don't know that, you need to know. You need to know that everything, everything, every, you have nothing more important than to know that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of your life. Amen. You say, well, I'm going to get to that one day. Well, that day may not come. That's right. Jesus said, I'll come just like a thief in the night. That's right. Huh? Amen. You know, sometimes we think we'll just put things off until there's a, there's a, another time. Sometimes as young people, I remember being in, in, as a teenager, I thought, well, I got these things I want to go do. And I'm pretty sure I can't do them if I'm one of, one of those Christian things. <laughs> I was pretty sure of it. <laughs> Actually, I was right. <laughs> so I just thought, well, I'm going to go do all this kind of stuff and do all that kind of stuff. Ever forget on a Sunday night I left church when the church was in Clanton. Get on the interstate, come from Clanton to Jemison. Before I ever got there, I came upon a wreck. That happened about maybe a minute. I was the first one to the wreck. There was two cars. Went off into the right side of the road. Way out in the woods was an old Cadillac. There was an elderly man found out he was dead. He hit a tree and died instantly. The car that I made it to, there was a son. He was 17 years old. He was in a little bright yellow neon. Had his seatbelt on. He was slumped over in the car. I couldn't tell about him too much. And I heard his mother crying. She had on her seatbelt and she said, Oh God, don't let my child die. Oh God, don't let my child die. Within two minutes, it seemed like the whole world was there. Turns out the 17-year-old son, he died instantly. They airlifted the mother and I found out she died an hour later. She was internally bleeding. Don't know anything about the family. Don't know where, where they went to. I'm assuming the mother cried out to God, so perhaps she knew and hoped that she did. I bet you when they got in that car that day, that 17-year-old boy who strapped a seatbelt on with all of his life ahead of him, never thought this is the last trip that I'll ever take on. Never thought. The, the mother never thought it. You just, you, you, you just don't know. You say, well, are you saying that to scare people? No, but if it do any good, I'll tell you one worse than that. But that was a real story. I saw it with my own eyes, and, uh, and the reality of it was the, the other man, he was 68 years old, and he tried to avoid the wreck, but he got caught in the tailspin, went down to the woods, and, and he, he was killed instantly. Three people that day left the earth. Each and every day that we live, 150,006 people leave this earth. Two people die every 1.8 seconds. Gone. Two. We don't know when our last time is. We don't know how much time that we have left. Well, it's my will that you live a full life, a long and healthy, happy life. You'll fulfill your destiny, that you'll live full and die empty. In other words, live with the fullness of God of all he called you to do. And when you leave this earth, you'll die having done it all. But that doesn't work that way for everybody. So we need to know that we know that we know that there is a heaven. To, the old saying is, there's a heaven to gain, there's a hell to shun. So I'm saying to you today, if that's you, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that you don't know that with an absolute 100%, it's not based on that you're at church this morning. It's not based because your grandmother prayed. It's not based on that you're a good person. I had a guy tell me one time, said, I said, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? He said, yes. I said, well, that's wonderful. I said, but why would you say that? He said, I'm an American. I said, I don't understand that. He said, I'm an American, man. This is a Christian nation. I said, that's not how you get to heaven. One guy told me, he says, I'm a good person. He said, I give blood every month to the, to the Red Cross. I said, it's not about your blood. It's about the blood of Jesus. Amen. So people have all kinds of ideas about what gains access to heaven. The only way that you're ever going to know Jesus, the Bible says Jesus is the door unless you walk through the door. He's, he's the true shepherd. Unless you walk through the door, there's no way to the Father except through Jesus. Amen. Have you accepted Jesus? 
Have you asked him to be Savior and Lord? Are you going to let him come in and rule your life? Are you going to let him come in and be the loving father? If that's you, if you're here, even even though you said yes, if that's you, I need to meet you today. We need to have some time together. I want to pray for you. And for those of you who might be watching, we're glad that you're listening today, but we want you to know that Jesus loves you, that he gave his only begotten son for you, that whosoever believed in him would not, would never, ever, ever see eternal damnation, but would receive eternal life. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord. You're so good. We love you. We praise you. We adore you. We thank you. You're so good. And I just pray for everyone under the sound of my voice, whether present or by watching. And I just pray, Father God, that you, that they would know of your love for them. They would know, Father God, that it is your pur- that God's purpose and design for them to accept and have eternal life with him. That they would not put off or put away to another time or to another day. That they would understand that the time is now. The day of salvation is today. If you're here or you're watching, or you're listening at a future time, there's no distance, no time in the spirit. Would you just pray this with me, Father? In the name of Jesus. We love you and I adore you. I praise you. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. Forgive me. I need you to be my Savior. I ask you to come into my life. Live within me. Be my Lord and be my Savior. The Bible said that if anyone, man or woman, boy or child, receives Jesus, to be Lord and Savior. Their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And that all heaven and all the angels of heaven rejoice with a loud praise over one sinner who comes to the Father. I come to you, Jesus, right now. Your word says, Jesus said, he who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. So therefore, you receive me. You are my Lord, and you are my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you if you prayed that with us today, whether here or by watching. And uh, we look forward to seeing you midweek. We're going to cover some of these same things and go forward with it. God bless you. Have a big day.